What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete here, and I'm with my good friend, Brian. Brian, we have a shit ton of stuff to talk about today, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, we have um, we have Young Justice, as always, getting down to the one of the last episodes of this season. Uh, we have two episodes of Obi-Wan, and we have a <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder trailer we haven't talked about yet. Oh, man. So let me ask you this. Out of those three, which are you the most excited to talk about today? Oh, um... I don't know. I, I don't know if I can answer that. I, I, I'm I'm pretty even on all of them. I think. I think for me, it's Obi Wan, but okay. uh, I have a lot of positive and a little bit of negative to say about it. I'm pretty eager to talk about that with you. Okay. Yeah. And I have. Good. I, I have a mixed bag with it. I think. But okay. um, yeah, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to say Obi Wan too. Nice. And then if you guys are watching, too, at home, this is your first time on, on uh, our channel. We are Comic Books Transformed, where we talk about the adaptations of our favorite comic books. And sometimes we talk about things that aren't comics to begin with, like Star Wars. But uh, today, the order that we're going to go in is, just like Brian said, we're going to start with Young Justice, because we always do that first when it's on the air. Then we're going to do the two episodes of Obi-Wan and then the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. So... With that being said, Young Justice Phantoms is up to episode 24, and it was called Zenith and Abyss. You don't say Zenith, right, Brian? I say Zenith, yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. So I, I took it as, like, we're reaching sort of, like, high points of the show, like, highest points. Like, it seems like things might actually be resolved and good will win, but then there's also the Abyss. Like, we're hitting this very, very low point, too. What do you think? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're definitely getting to the climax here with this. Two episodes left after this one. Um, you know, there hasn't been a green light of, of, a, of a fifth season or anything like that. So this could be a season finale. It could be a series finale. We don't know. Um, I, I'm still very concerned about it with the whole Warner Discovery merger and um, all, all the all the stuff they want to they, – they've already started to change so far. Yeah. yeah, it would be a shame. Like, I think it would be a loss to, like, not have anything new from this show. But I think a lot of times – they make comic books and stuff to keep it going. And um, I know they already have like a Young Justice comic, like miniseries planned already for this after this season. So yes. it'd be cool like to keep it going. And Greg Weissman, I know he's like written a lot of comics too. So I think it would work good in that kind of mode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think we briefly talked about the, the, the Young Justice comic that's coming. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd be happy if, if, if that's the only way it's going to continue, I'm, I'm happy with that, I suppose. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened in this episode. So it has that cold open, and we see Tamar 2, who's Tamar Ray's son. And um, he's in, like, the area where they have the science cells floating above Oa. Um, and Co Kilowog's there. And in walks in Lor Zod asking about the Kaiser Thrall. And, Brian, I don't know about you, but, like, I thought it was kind of weird that Kilowog was there... And I mean, didn't he have a fight with Lorzad a couple episodes no. ago? Kilowog was not there for the fight. Only Tomare was. Oh. Like, what did he do? He's like, I gotta go somewhere. And just like left. Um, <laughs> I don't remember where he was exactly at the time, but he was not there for the fight. Um, it, it I imagine that hearing someone inquire about the Kaiser Thrall might have piqued his might have piqued his interest. But yeah. I don't believe he saw Lorzad. I think the only people that even saw him were um rocket and orion because he did he did that thing no way he didn't do that thing to them did he was that um was that um Legon's brother oh oh Carver. yeah yeah 
Malafaak. Malafaak, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, but Kilowog was not definitely not at the battle. Uh, he was off somewhere else, and um, that's it. Okay. Well, that's one of the benefits of doing the show with you, man, is that you actually clarify things for me. I have a couple of Obi-Wan things I'm hoping you can clarify for me, too. I hope so, too. Um, so one comment I want to make about the, those holding cells on Oa, they looked yeah. an awful lot like the Watchtower, didn't they? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that, too, yeah. Design's very similar. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that was some kind of joint technology sharing thing or something like that. That was Maybe this is a nice little background detail touch. Yeah, I think... Um, because you and I are watching the early episodes of Young Justice again, too. And I think that, like, Robin or someone said that Superman and Green Lantern designed the Watchtower when they go there. Oh, okay. So so that kind of makes sense. That, okay. Yeah. So it could have that kind of Green Lantern aesthetic, you know? It kind of makes more sense. But so anyway, um, Connor uh, Kent, he's still in the Phantom Zone. And it looks like he's – well, he actually does make his way out in this episode. Spoilers. But um, his Phantom Zone sickness has really messed him up, and it's really kind of messed up the whole plot of the show, right? Because he believes that he's killed Superman, and he thinks he's dangerous to McGann. And so that's kind of making him the obstacle between essentially resolving this whole problem. Yes, because they want to get him out and only him out. They don't want to, they want to take out the other uh, criminals from the Phantom Zone. Although... Um, Later on in the episode, uh, I, I believe it was Zod, makes a really excellent point that they've probably served their turns already by now. Oh, yeah, in the, yeah. In the 40 years. So it's like, what do you do in that regard? Like, that, that's kind of like a one of those um, kind of morality questions, I think, that, that's, that the show poses very well. Yeah. Yeah, this ethical kind of decision of like, well, do we release these criminals? But, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because if they were just regular criminals and they came out – they could probably live somewhere peacefully, but you're releasing these criminals that have the powers of like gods, you know? So it's, it's interesting conundrum that you can only kind of really do with science fiction or comic books, you know? And uh, one of the more science fiction kind of concepts in young justice is this idea of the Kaiser thrall, which you mentioned before. And um, I knew that the kid that lives inside the Kaiser thrall or, or is the Kaiser thrall I knew he had to be a comic book character. Had you heard of Danny Chase before? It sounded so familiar to me, but after I looked it up and all that, I, I don't recall it uh, seeing it or reading anything about him before. Yeah. I I also didn't know who he was. Like, I, I think I like maybe read about it in like a DC encyclopedia or something, but I never read any comics with him. And um, I thought it was interesting that like he becomes a villain named Phantasm. So like DC had the name Phantasm, but he has nothing to do with, Batman, the Mask of the Phantasm. His costume yeah. looks kind of like it, though. But uh, I do remember somewhere reading that he was kind of an asshole character, too. And Yeah, I just did as well, yes. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because he's not an asshole in this at all. He's actually, like, a uh, real character. Yeah, you know, you you feel for him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, he, he, like, basically, you know, puts himself in harm's way. He, he could essentially die, uh, you know, to help the Justice League. And the way that he was created is just so fucked up too. It, it goes into what we were talking about last week of that sort of like that real fucked up part of the show where like the new gods are like experimenting on humans, trafficking metahumans. And I mean, like the sod basically just tortured him and took his brain and put it in this uh, father box, you know? And th did that kind of remind you of robot man a little bit? Uh, yes, but I think, 
it, it, it's obviously different because there was some, um, there was some, I guess, positivity with, with Cliff, you know, like his, he wasn't forced on, I mean, it was forced on him, but it was, you know, he was, he was dead or dying and this kid was just experimented on. So he was really forced upon him. And also it's a kid rather than an adult. It's always harder when you do it to a kid. I know, I know. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny because like the show used to be on Cartoon Network and they, they just could not get away with something like that now. No, That's too much. Now. It works on HBO Max though. So, um, you know, you have the mother boxes on New Genesis then you have the father boxes on Apocalypse. And I think that's kind of interesting because there's nothing really like that in the comics. That's definitely like a Young Justice thing. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard of both of them before, but I, I don't remember that context ever being uh, made anywhere else. But I mean, it's possible, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, one last question about um, the, the Kaiser's role and, and Danny. Is, is he like dead dead now? Because like Maal came in there, he said like fractalized or something and he like, like disappears or some shit. Um, is he? Is, is that? Is he actually dead? Um, I'm gonna think that he will like. It's kind of like when uh, Doctor Octopus took over Peter Parker's body. Okay. Um, I'm gonna think that like maybe he like scattered his essence or something or his mind, but I think he's gonna like take control back over the box because the way that they left it, it looked like Malafaak is controlling the box and making him do that, um, like that so power he, that freezes he, everyone yeah. in place. Yeah. So I think that um, Danny's going to come back and, like, free the heroes. That's just my theory. Yeah. You think he's dead or no? Um, I, I think you're right. I think that that's going to be the way that – the only way that they're going to stop the that the, the Kaiser's all from um, immobilizing everybody else. So you're probably right. Yeah. But, you know, that that's brutal, too. You know, just made this kid just disappear, basically. Yeah. You know, it sure looked like he died. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, just kind of going along with, like, death and brutality, Connors had these visions of killing Superman. And when the team finally shows up to try to rescue him, he's convinced that Superman is dead. And he even, like, says to them, I killed Superman. Everyone kind of looks confused. And I really like the editing there because they cut from him saying, I killed Superman. It's like the very next scene is, like, Superman uses a boom tube to come into the watchtower. And yeah, and they also, they also intercut his visions of him killing Superman too, and the blood on his hands. So, so yeah. um, I, I think that you, you know he has he thinks he killed Superman, and he's worried he's going to hurt him again. So um, he does remember stuff. He, he, he just thinks he might be better off staying away, and this yeah. is the only home he may he may have available to him, I guess. So I think what's going to happen is that he's going to see Superman, and then he's alive, and he's going to realize, oh shit. Uh, maybe maybe these guys are right. No, I'm not that messed up. Yeah, and that that'd be a nice like full circle. And maybe it is okay for the show to end because I remember the first arc ends with like him and Superman kind of awkwardly interacting with each other. Yeah. And if it's like the idea of Superman that sort of brings him back to being normal, I think that could really work. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about this episode in particular they um superman's always kind of portrayed almost like like he's sort of awkward and he's a little bit cowardly which is kind of weird for superman to be portrayed on the show and at least in my opinion that's the way it is and then um when he goes and talks to the justice league he keeps covering for the legion of superheroes and i like that a lot because he's basically saying like i can't i can't go into this i can't go into this he's like sticking up for them 
And I think that that makes him look more heroic, even though he's essentially holding back the truth. He's like protecting the Legion. Yeah, he's, it's, it's, it's Superman doing what he does best and shouldering the burden of everything, really. <laughs> um, and I, I, I do like um, it, it does feel a little different here. I, I, I do feel like in a lot of other media depictions, he really is just that Boy Scout. And uh, and it's almost like a negative thing to, to most people or like, uh, you know, more casual fans that like, they think he's too good and not interesting. And yeah. I think things like this make him interesting or a lot more interesting. And I think uh, many comics have portrayed things like this, um, but this show is, is doing a good job, too. Yeah, that's, that's actually, yeah, that's that's very well put. And um, and a lot of more kind of modern versions of Superman, especially like in uh, live action and stuff, have Superman being like very violent and like he loses his temper and stuff. And that, that doesn't happen on this Young Justice show. But of course, Superboy kind of loses his temper and is kind of violent. So he kind of fills that need. Right. Very true. Um, so when we have the team in the Phantom Zone, didn't you think that Tigress looked kind of weird? So I didn't – what actually stood out to me the most was Nightwing because his eyes – his eye covers. Yeah. Like everyone's eyes are yellow, but his are just like there. And that was the only thing that really stood out to me. So I didn't even notice anything weird about Tigress uh, or an appearance. I thought she looked like real masculine. I thought she kind of looked like Wolverine, honestly. Uh, you, know, you know what? With her mask like that and the color change, like that could totally look like you know, Laura Wolverine. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also kind of like that their powers didn't work so well and that their, like, weapons didn't work. And Nightwing was kind of clued in on that eventually. He said, you know, let's just do hand-to-hand base. Or was that him or Aqualad? Um, it, well, Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that, and there was another There was another little quick scene and flashback of when he's talking to – when Aquaman is talking to Connor, um, it, they flash back to the their first meeting in the in – the, uh, I don't remember if it was the, the end of the first episode or the beginning of the second, but like w- when they first kind of face off with each other. And I, I thought that was a nice touch. And, and being that I just watched it, uh, it resonated with me a little bit more because I, it, it kind of, um, I think that scene in the first episode kind of portrayed um, and, and put Aquaman in, in, a, in a better light than he would normally be uh, presented in because, you know, a lot of people think Aquaman's more of a joke character and, and uh, in a lot of um, versions of it. So, yeah, um, that was a big thing to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, I, you know, because I wasn't even going to mention that little cut, you know, because, like, it is really cool to see the past episodes and see the stuff that they're referencing. Because that's the way that the show is, is that, like, four seasons in, they'll reference something from the very first few episodes. And you're just sort of supposed to remember it. And um, I usually don't rewatch movies or tv shows these days and i don't reread books usually because it's there's just so much media to consume it's like it's like why am i going to watch something i've already seen a bunch of times right but re-watching young justice i feel like it, it's really worth it. it really pays off because you re like it's kind of amazing seeing where they are now and seeing where they began you're like oh my god so much has happened you know yeah. mm-hmm. for each character um and and you know it's it's interesting because like Nightwing, I feel like personally, he seems the most like physically he looks the most different. He's so much bigger, and then he just seems older and like sort of more quiet and reserved as his younger self. Uh, you know, was much more like kind of making jokes and stuff. Um, but I was gonna say that he he definitely seemed a lot more like Bruce, right? Especially when he like opened up the box with the yeah, total Batman move. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But the Kryptonite did not work on the Phantom Zone Kryptonians. Yes, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's only because the radiation would only affect them if, um, you know, I mean, because really, it's a piece of Krypton. So it's like, you know, they were li living on that planet, so obviously it wouldn't work on them. So it must be some kind of interaction with the Yellow Sun and the, and the, the, the Krypton the Kryptonite. Yes, that's actually like, as you know, I usually complain about Man of Steel. But one thing I actually really like about Man of Steel is when they start to harvest the earth, they um, like change the atmosphere and that weakens Superman. I like the idea of like, like Krypton itself weakens them. And so like Kryptonite, like you just said, you know, yeah. I like that idea of like, because it's from Krypton, it weakens him, you know, it always yeah. seems like it's this magical thing, but it's like, no, this would just make him human. Like, I like the idea of weakening him versus like killing him, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the, the, the interesting things I find about, about this and, and the whole plan that the, you know, the, that they concoct on the Justice League side is, you know, they, they go to the Red Planet, uh, you know, Orion suggests this, which is a great plan, go to the Red Planet. So even if they come out, they won't be able to do very much, but they, obviously it's going to weaken Superman. But I mean, there are tons of stories where Superman just travels all over space. Yep. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I would love to know, like, is it he has to be near Yellow Sun or he can't be near a Red Sun? Like, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of places he's been to with, with very far from any sun. Yeah. Um, I would love some more definition on that. So, uh, yeah, I agree. They, they do kind of play hard and fast with the rules, and it usually just is whatever serves the plot. But uh, I, I always like the idea of, like, Superman almost being like a battery and that, like, he – absorbs the sun's energy and then eventually he runs out of it yeah. uh so the idea of like a yellow a red sun sort of like turning it off kind of goes against that but um it is a good plot device to like you know bench superman or weaken superman and so yeah. he's not much good in this fight with the kryptonians but i guess the kryptonians aren't that big of a deal either yeah on this red planet and poor freaking connor coming out of that boon tube and he still got those wounds from the oof yeah that looked brutal <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. So um, let's see. I was just trying to think if there's anything else. Actually, yeah, kinda... there is one more thing I actually wanted to mention. So Go ahead. obviously we have we have Zod and Ursa coming out of the uh, out of the Phantom Zone, and you know Lorzod is there. And did you kind of get a vibe that that uh, Drew Zod was not too happy to see Lor? Hmm. I well, I was trying to while I was watching, I was thinking like, it, was he a little kid? When he last saw him, like, how'd that work? Was he grown up or? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, right. It, it, it must not be. Underage. They said he was underage at the time. Yeah. But they didn't put him in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, because he time traveled back. I would think. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's Yeah, it's a confusing thing, right? Because 40 years have passed. It's like, okay, well, how come he's not like 40 years old, right? Um, or maybe he ages slowly because he's Kryptonian. I don't know. But, like, um, I, I don't know. I didn't know that – I think maybe I didn't even notice his reaction to him. He, he just kind of, like, looked disappointed. He looked and he kind of, like, frowned. Like, he scowled or, or something. Like, um, when he came out, I, I thought it was – it, it, it wasn't so subtle that it was could be, you know, uh, ignored. I, I yeah. feel like it had to – that's the last thing that happens. The absolute yeah. last thing in the episode. So, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens next episode. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. That was actually one part I really liked about the episode was that like kind of simultaneous 
lead to the boom tube opening up and the heroes meeting the Kryptonians. You had the stuff with Lorzod and Malafaak is pretending to be the Legionnaires. It's all sort of like building to this head. And it's essentially there's like two bad guy teams coming at the Justice League. And there's there's essentially two teams at the Justice League too, right? There's the team. Yeah. And then there's a team that has like Green Lanterns and Legion of Superhero People and New Gods. Um, it's going to be a big battle, I think, on the Red yeah. Planet. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. And they'll probably get off of the planet too so we can see some Kryptonian action too. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, so is there any more for Young Justice? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Then we are dipping into Obi-Wan. We're going to the sands of Tatooine to talk about part one of Obi-Wan. Two episodes dropped today. If you haven't seen them, please go watch them on Disney Plus and come back and join us. But, uh, Brian, I always like to kind of go through the behind-the-scenes stuff real quick of shows. Of course. Um, I wanted to just mention the director, Deborah Chow, because um, I think she did a really fantastic job with these two episodes. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think the, the the way the episodes look and the, the, the pacing of it are all very good, yes. So, yes. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the, the writing and, and dialogue as well. Not all yeah, of I, Okay, so I had some issues with the dialogue, but... Yeah, I, I mean... I'll I'll explain more later. I, I also have issues with some of the dialogue, um, but but one part of it I really 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 liked. So okay okay cool cool cool. So yeah, I think that visually it looks really great. I think sort of like the zenith to use that word from the Young Justice episode, the zenith of modern Star Wars movies, Disney Mo- Star Wars movies. I feel like is Rogue One when it comes to visuals. I feel like visual-wise, Rogue One is the best-looking. I think The Last Jedi is very, very good-looking. And I think that this show reminds me more of that than, say, like The Mandalorian does or Book of Boba Fett. What would you say? Yeah, I, I can definitely go with that. And I think this this show looked very good. And, I mean, I, I know that this was originally supposed to be – intended to be a movie. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess it wasn't filmed as a movie at first right. and then converted to a show, but – um, I feel like it, something about it looked better than the yes. other shows, I guess. Yeah. And see, I think that's the mark of a good director because I think that, like, obviously you have the cinematographer who has the eye for the shots, but the director knows how to kind of put it all together. And um, it really does give off this kind of vibe, this show. Like, you really do feel like the Jedi are gone, the Empire's taken over, it is very dangerous to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like... The, the it, it has a sense of atmosphere, I think, that conveys it really well. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So um, Deborah Chow, just so we, you know, establish who she is, she's known for this movie called The High Cost of Living, which I, I'm not very familiar with. But she's directed a lot of things for television, including uh, Flowers in the Attic. Like, they did an adaptation of that. Sherry loves those books. I just had to mention that. And then uh, she did, like, some things for the CW, including the show Rain and the CW's Beauty and the Beast. And then uh, she also directed Mr. Robot, which I always thought, or some episodes of Mr. Robot. I always thought that Mr. Robot was like very well shot too. So, you know, she's she's pretty good in my book. Um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I have not seen any of those things you just mentioned. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to go and check some of them out. Yeah, Mr. Robot's really good. Yeah, I've, I've always heard that. Yeah, but I, uh, I never got around to it. Yeah. So then the showrunner is Joby Harold, and he's kind of interesting too, especially for you and me, because the next thing that he has coming out is Transformers: The Rise of the Beasts. Okay, um, but what is he? What is he doing on that? Because he's not the director. No, the writer. Writer. Oh, the writer. Okay, got it. 
Yeah, yeah. So he wrote that. He wrote uh, John Wick Chapter 2, which I'm a big fan of John Wick Chapter 2. Uh, he co-wrote King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. That's the one with Ch Charlie Hunnam and like Jude Law. Okay. I didn't see that. Um, I obviously saw John Wick, though, yeah. Yeah, it, that movie's kind of weird because it's like really kind of bleak and it's very stylish because it's um the guy that fucking uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Who's that guy? Oh, I know this. Um, it's not man, we guy. had a rhythm going. We were good. And I just yeah. fucked it all up. Oh, man. <laughs> Take a shot. If you know in the comments, just yell at us in the comments. Um, but then he also co-wrote that Army of the Dead. You know, that's the one with uh, Zack Snyder. Yes. Okay. So, so he's got kind of a mixed bag. And I think that that's maybe why the show is kind of a mixed bag for me, too. So uh, you mentioned that it was already going to be a film. You, did you know that John Williams did the theme for it? Uh, yeah, I saw that in the credits. Um, so, yes. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. What, did you like the theme? Yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, okay. The cold open in the first episode, we see a bunch of younglings training. Did you think it was going to go into Order 66? Um, it, it makes sense for them to, to go back and retread that. And I, I, I'm a hundred percent assuming that, that one of those Padawans was, um, uh, what's her name? I forgot. Riva. 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 Yes. Uh, the third sister. Um, yeah. and, uh, but, um, I, I know you have, you, you're, you're, you're kind of holding out that Camille Nanjiani was there too, but I, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll probably talk about stuff from episode two and one kind of together, but yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that multiple kids from that group would still be alive but you're probably right it's probably that it's just her um and you know yeah. she's gonna maybe be like the main kind of antagonist and then like i think darth vader will maybe get him in the end or something you know what i'm saying yeah um so i mean from what i know about the inquisitors is that you know they they're not necessarily jedi or sith but they're kind of like force sensitive and a lot of them were padawans and trainees that were uh like tortured and succumbed to the dark side um after after the order 66 so yeah yeah and um the main inquisitor the grand inquisitor actually was a guard at the jedi temple yes and so um he's played by rupert friend and um i you know i was kind of wondering who he was when i saw him i couldn't recognize him under the makeup but he's actually this guy from uh homeland, homeland yep Oh, did you watch Homeland? I I didn't finish Homeland, but I watched the first two or three seasons. Okay. But he was like my favorite character. So Yeah, Peter Quinn. Yeah. Very similar to Peter Quill, like Star Lord. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's good. I, I watched like the first four or five of Homeland at least. And you know, there's like seven or eight seasons of that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was a fan of that. Um yeah, and so he's the Inquisitor. I'm gonna we're gonna talk about something about him in the second episode. But I was going to say that um, with the Inquisitors, like, do you, do you feel like they are being portrayed well? Do you think that they're, like, kind of intimidating? What do you think about the Inquisitors in this show? Um, I think it's a mixed bag. So, I mean, one of my big problems with the show actually is Reva. Oh, Reva? Oh, Reva. Reva. Um, so I think she, she goes a little too hard, and I think they're trying to prove that she's reckless and inexperienced and all that. And I think it's a little odd that the others are trying to uh, hold her back so much. Okay, it, thank you. It seems like a really weird imbalance for these supposedly evil characters. Okay. Um, and, and there was a couple really, just a couple points that were like very clumsily paced out where it's like they, they were like right there and almost could have had the thing. They would have let her do her thing, but 
they's like, oh no, we we don't we're not we're bad, but we're not that bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was a mixed bag. I, I think they look really cool. The idea is really cool. I absolutely loved um, the Grand Inquisitor's explanation of what they do, or or what uh, or how how Jedi's hunt themselves. Like that that whole scene was great. I mean, it's 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 a. I feel like that's been used before and for other, you know, uh, good guys that are in hiding. You know that they can't help themselves. But the way that was portrayed, that was one of my favorite things in, in, in either of these episodes was that scene and that that monologue that he had yeah okay well that's i'm really really glad that you made that point because i didn't have that written down but i think you're absolutely right that like her whole thing in these first two episodes is just like oh man i really gotta get obi-wan i gotta get obi-wan like right now i'll do anything i'll chop off this guy's hand i'll go kill uncle owen's family you know i'll do any kind of crazy thing and they're always kind of pulling her back And, and you're so right it's like literally if they didn't stand in her way if she just went forward she could catch Obi-Wan, you know, that's, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I, I see what they're doing with the show. It's just, you know, I mean, that actually kind of like blew my mind when she just randomly started chopping off hands, you know? Yeah. uh, But, and one of my other issues with the character too, is that I, I can tell that they're, they're going for the, uh, that she's reckless and she has a lot of rage built, you know, within her, but sometimes I don't feel like the actress portrays enough emotion for it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, like it, her, some of it, sometimes her energy falls a little flat for what she's saying and doing. I think. Yeah, that's that's one thing that like you know because we you know we, we have all these YouTube channels. You're on all my channels with me, and I sometimes am hesitant to critique actors just in general unless they're like someone that's really established and like has a big career. Yeah. But I do feel like that we could at least critique the acting choices of how they do certain things. And yeah. for me. Um, I feel like what you just said is so on the money. And then I also feel like the Princess Leia actress, it, there's something off with her. And I know that's a little kid, but it's like, it's kind of the same thing with Anakin, like all over again, like Jake Lloyd's Anakin, where little kids, you know, obviously aren't going to have this sort of level of acting chops as an adult. And so it's all on how you use them. And I think that like, the way they portray Leia in the show, that's been rubbing me kind of wrong too. So see, that's that, I think we may be different here a little bit. So okay. I agree with you on the, um, the acting. And I, I think you mentioned uh, something to the effect that they had their kind of like wink, wink, none judge, you know, uh, this is, this is Leia and this is going to be who she goes up to be and all this foreshadowing stuff. I think they do go a little hard with that, but um, I do generally like what she's saying and how she's portrayed. Okay. Um, that she's a little rebellious, and then I, I really like the interaction that um, that uh, Bail Organa has. Actually, I like the interaction with that she has with both her parents. Yeah. Um, in the show, and I think that kind of it shows where she comes from, and it shows what she's going to grow up to be. I mean, to me, um, you know, Leia, especially in the New Hope, the first movie, she's a very strong-willed, strong-headed person, uh, and I think you see a glimpse of that. But I think it's it's a very difficult thing for a, a kid to emote. Okay. So, um, I, 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 again, I, I like the, I like the writing of it for the most part. Um, except for those little points where it's a little too tongue in cheek, but, um, the execution's a little off for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's not, not always though. I, I mean, just, just a, sometimes, uh, I, there are a bunch of scenes where I think that, um, 
I really appreciated the scene with Obi-Wan and uh, Leia. Um, I, I like their interactions back and forth, and I, I like that um, it's just sometimes that uh, the, the child, the child actors, I don't know the, her name, but um, her, her delivery is, is, seems very childlike. Yeah. You know? Right, right. Well, that's – so you bring up a really good point that, like, um, you know, it's kind of like the Leia that she's going to become. That's one of the cool things about this show is essentially it's like in between two trilogies. And so yeah. she's just a baby in the prequels of whatever. Who cares about that? But it's like obviously she's going to grow up to become this, uh, you know, hero, this iconic character. And Princess Leia is absolutely 100% an iconic movie character. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Right, right. And, you know, <laughs> thanks to Carrie Fisher, right? Um, and and because of Carrie Fisher, who she was, and because of the way Princess Leia is in particular in A New Hope, um, Princess Leia is like intertwined with like rebellion in the real world, and she's also intertwined with like feminism in the real world. And um, she's she's been used as a symbol. She was used as a symbol throughout the whole Trump era when Carrie Fisher died. Like they used her as symbolism all over the place, and I think that they're trying to do that and just like you said it's like you know they're kind of putting that on a little kid and it's just a little kid acting and so it, it like it, it just kind of feels awkward because it's sort of like this this character that they've already made larger than life and you're having a little kid portray that and yeah. it just kind of it's, it's a real big shoes to fill it, exactly exactly yeah. so so maybe they would always fall flat um i have issues with leia but mainly in the the follow-up episode so we'll get into that for episode two but um, in this episode, she is at a like an event where some of her relatives come uh, or her adopted relatives come uh, on Alderaan and she interacts with her cousin. And I really like that action for two reasons. Um, one is because you see her interacting with a droid or he's interacting with a droid and he's completely rude to the droid. And then she like stands up for it. And I liked that because like, it kind of makes sense that Leia would stand up for a droid for like multiple reasons, right? Like one is because like when we see her in the other movies, she's always very like, she's always attached to uh, C-3PO and R2 a little bit too, you know? And then- um, Who, who, you know, who made a little cameo appearance as, uh, as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, you know, her father was obviously like one of the key parts of Anakin's personalities. He's into machinery and fixing things. He made C-3PO, right? And then, of course, Anakin is like almost like more than half droid, right? So I, I like that they use that little story beat right in there um, just to kind of give a little glimpse into her character. I like that. Uh, and then, like, I like that the little boy says, you know, you're not even Organa, but it's like it just seems kind of fake for like a little kid to say that or at least maybe the way the kid said it no, you know I, I believed it because in the sense that this is a, a spoiled little rich brat and <laughs> she is someone who's around that but isn't hasn't doesn't isn't doesn't act like that she's different so yeah. I, I think i totally bought it and i i enjoyed her little sick burn on him <laughs> um but uh yeah but you see like the burn is good, right? Because the burn is like, oh, you're trying to be like your dad, and and oh, but it, it's like that's what they keep doing with her characters that she has like this insight into people, and I don't really remember Leia having insight as an adult, I and mean, maybe that's like a force thing that she has this sort of awareness, you know, because she's so strong in the force too. But like when I think of Princess Leia in the movies, at least, it's always that she 
just doesn't take any shit from anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. She just talks right up to Darth Vader, you know? And um, does she do that with the smugglers, with the people that kidnap her? Oh, yeah. Or does she act kind of scared? Oh, she does? Yeah. She, she yeah. definitely does that, too. She's like, you know, she's like my father's going to send our guards or the army or whatever, and you guys are going to be screwed okay and, okay you know, she, she she's a little firecracker okay okay good good i think it's kind of fucking funny that we're sitting here talking about the obi-wan show and we're just talking yeah. about the female characters and not even talking about fucking obi-wan right so we should get into obi-wan now at this point right yes yes yes, yes. this this is the thing that i love the most about the show is actually obi-wan uh obviously okay um, i think Hugh mcgregor is fantastic in the show and he, i think he he elevates everything around it around him honestly in the show yes um I, I think i mean he's really good i think jimmy spitz is really good too um but otherwise like he's bringing everything up a level to me and um i i like i really like the the path they're setting him on here that he um he's hiding out it's been a long time he's kind of you know turning it starting to turn into the alec guinness, guinness version in a way mm -hmm. walking over with but he's kind of experiencing PTSD, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting look that you um, I'm not used to seeing with this character, and I I, I kind of like it. Yes. Yeah. He he um, you know he he clearly is like the bridge because you know I said that Leia was a little baby, and now we're seeing who who she's gonna grow up into. But with this, it's like we know the prequel era Obi Wan. He's kind of a little funny, and he you know is very brave. Then we see the original trilogy Obi Wan, who is like almost like a Zen master, and this guy is like somewhere in between, and he's the bridge. And uh, yeah, you're right. Ewan McGregor does an incredible, incredible job. Um, I feel so bad for him when he's sitting there out in the desert cutting up like crate dragon meat. But I was also yeah. wondering, like, how come nobody fucking catches him when he like so obviously like packages it up and puts it in his cloak? I was because they showed it so many times. I was waiting for someone to call him out on his death. Yeah. Yeah, like that foreman guy. Like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, but um, no, I guess not. So, and it's 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 so cool that he like takes that little hover bus back to the city. Then he like takes his little camel elephant thing out into the desert and goes into his yeah. cave. He's yeah, got his he, little R two periscope alarm system. He's being very careful about everything. And I like that. Um, and uh, I, I liked um, I liked his interaction with with the Jawa. First of all, I think it was a little funny conversation. And right. I really like the um. His conversation with with uh, Owen. Yes, um, yes. I thought that was great, and uh, and you know, just the, the the he doesn't he thinks that you know Luke should just be a farmer and and you know leave all that previous stuff behind and forget about it, and uh, you know that's what's safer and better for him. But um, you know, Obi Wan has to, still kind of has that um, that adventurous attitude from the, the of his younger days. He thinks that there's a whole galaxy to see and all this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we see that little toy that Luke is playing with and we find out that Obi-Wan gave Luke that toy that, that like Luke in uh, a new hope goes like this with this like little ship that Obi-Wan got from the Jawa. Yeah. 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 So, you know, whenever they do this kind of nostalgia stuff, little, you know, Easter eggs like that are kind of annoying, but I thought in this case it, it made a lot of sense and it worked with the story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Owen is great. And, um, you know, what brings the Inquisitors to Tatooine is this one escaped Jedi. Um, and I really like the scene when they uncover him 
you know, Riva, like you said before, was like kind of like over the top and she like threw a knife at this one guy's face. And then the Jedi stopped the knife. And then she went to go slice him down. But then the Inquisitor stopped him, kind of like what you were saying before, too. I'm like, well, we're here to kill this Jedi, but don't kill him right now. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that one was a little bit more understanding because they're trying to capture him so they can interrogate him to try and find more Jedi. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of get that. But like all the other times too, it's it's just like it was a little much. Right, right. And more in episode two, yeah. Yeah. But um the episode begins kind of we we knew Obi-Wan was going off world. I, I did not know that it was gonna be that Princess Leia got kidnapped. That was kind of the cool twist. The yeah. trailers make it seem like the um the Inquisitors come to Tatooine and maybe like there's a Jedi that they're hunting, and maybe that makes Obi-Wan go on an adventure because he's trying to save that Jedi or something. But it's like, no, Princess Leia just gets fucking kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was completely not expecting that at all. I mean, I knew that they had cast... I mean, they, they showed Luke in the trailer. I don't think they showed Leia in the trailer. No. Um, but maybe that was on purpose. So you you, you kind of would never would have guessed that was what it was about. And it's yeah. a little odd, too, because it seems... I mean, it's a little contradictory. I Did you write this in your notes or am I just thinking this? What, uh, God? About how... Um, um in a new hope when leia sends the message to obi-wan i did write that you did okay um it, it makes it seem like they had never met before right right she says your father you served my father in the clone wars and she's not like you and i had a little adventure on dayum or whatever the fuck the planet's called yeah <laughs> you know so um this show it just seems like is going to have uh, a bunch of things that seem to kind of contradict future events. Yes, and episode two, episode yeah. two is kind of rife with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to jump into episode two? Um, is there anything else we need to go through about one? Um, I guess not. I think we covered it, and I think worst case scenario, it'll probably come up in our yeah. episode two. Sure. So, um, okay, so the the planet I was talking about. Oh, here's the thing that we didn't say: flee from the uh, chili peppers. All right, this is the time I'm totally going to take the piss out of out of flee here. I'm I'm tired of, of Star Wars casting celebrity cameos. Okay, it, it, it's too much. Um, it, at least give me someone that can act. Um, like, Flea cannot act. I'm sorry. Hey, he was in like Back to the Future too. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's the guy that. that um, like, Marty McFly gets into a car accident, and that's what makes him not be able to play the guitar. And it's because he was going to race with him, and in Back to the Future three. Flea's like, come on, let's race. Oh, it's in three. Yeah. Well, I think he's in two and three, but yeah, it's in he's definitely in three. I did not know that. But yes. I, I felt I'm like, I'm looking at like this when I saw him like this is Flea. This yeah. is Star This is Flea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and like he his his delivery was very flat. Yeah. Um, and I I'm just this happens every every show, almost every episode, there's some celebrity that gets like shoved in here because they're star wars fans i mean that's, that's right. what i'm assuming anyway and some of them work and some of them don't and this one really did not work for me Oof, poor flea okay well he ended up having a pretty bad fate in this episode too on uh the planet of Dayu. but um yeah i agree with you on that like it was a little too much and he wasn't that great sorry flea so um did they said in the beginning of this episode that like when you go to day or die you die you when you go to die, you um, like transmissions can't be sent from the planet or received. Yeah, they block transmissions. I'm, I'm assuming it's just a shady planet in general. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, I, there's, there's a whole drug lab there. So, I mean, obviously, lots of bad stuff goes on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's like a freaking, like, Star Wars meth lab at one yeah. point. And <laughs> very, very much a Star Wars meth lab. And <laughs> the girl tries to sell, sell them some spice. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a kid-friendly way of getting getting around drugs. Yeah, and that's very reminiscent of uh, an Attack of the Clones. There's a guy who tries to sell them death sticks. It's kind of similar. Yeah. Um, but that whole planet had this sort of like Blade Runner type vibe, which I think people might have thought that would have been Carsons, but it was its own thing. Um, I like the aesthetic of it. I thought it looked really awesome. This, um, yeah, I did like it too. I, I mean, I'm always a sucker for like cyberpunk looking stuff. Um, but this. In the in in Boba Fett, the Mandalorian episode, this wasn't the same planet. Was he was he actually on Coruscant? No. Okay. So so okay. So 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 Dayu. I actually looked up Dayu because um in the very beginning of Rogue One, there's a scene on a planet that looks very much like this planet too, and it's not that planet. And then the planet in uh, the Mandalorian episode of Boba Fett is like a ring. And this is not oh, that. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. that's right. We made the Halo jokes. Yes. Right, right, right. So, um, but on this planet, Obi Wan goes there because Bail Organa sends him, and he runs into Haja Estri, who is played by Kumail Nanjani, and he was. Did, did you think he was a Jedi initially? No. Okay, you knew he's no. a combat. The, the second, the second he did the, I, I mean. Uh, when he starts doing closing the, the the windows, I'm like, why would he do that? It's just like <laughs> that's a little too telling, you know? Right, uh, right. And then obviously, as he as he talks more, you, you can tell he's swindling them for money because each other wouldn't do that. Yeah, Kumail Najani, I've seen him in a couple of movies now, and it seems like maybe when it comes to these big franchises, he maybe is kind of playing these sort of like characters that kind of seem oafish or goofy. But then they end up being like more noble and serious. Like he was like that in Eternals with King Kingo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then same thing with this episode. And I actually really liked like what happened with his characters in yes. the course of the episode. I agree. Yeah. Uh he seemed a, bit, a little a little goofy at first, and, and that's that's fine. Uh it, it, and but and then he actually runs into Obi-Wan again later on, and he's just like, You gotta go here, trust me. I mean, you don't really have a choice, I guess, you know. And I, I thought he did a really good job there. And then um, maybe it was a little silly when he went to go stop Reva because he was just kind of being like, oh, I'm a Jedi and you're not going to get past me. I mean, I, I would have th thought that she would have just like cut him in half instantly. Right, you know? right, so right, right. Little, that seems a little weird to me because that's what you wanted to do to everyone else. <laughs> she's, she's seconds away from what she wants. And again, something like ridiculous stops her. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know. She's like a loose cannon, man. I thought she was going to totally kill him. I mean, she just chopped off that poor guy on Tatooine's hand just randomly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was some old lady. It was an old lady? It was an old, like, a, I would say like a late 50s, early 60s lady. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. She's she's hardcore, man. So, yeah, like, <laughs> the thing is with her not killing him, it's like, obviously, they want to, like, have him be in a book or a comic or something down the road. Like, cause with every star Wars character, no matter how insignificant they'll throw him into some kind of story. Right. Yeah. And I think that probably if that star Wars character, and I mentioned this, but like that Jedi that like kind of fought off the clones in the beginning of uh, the first episode. Yeah. If, if she's not already an established character, they're a hundred percent going to make like a comic of that or a book yep. of her, you know? Yep. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. So so he's still alive by the end of that episode. One other thing we didn't mention was that uh, Tamara Morrison is in this episode too. Yes. Uh, that, that was, was so fucking good. Fantastic, fantastic yes. scene. And again, highlighting Obi-Wan's kind of PTSD, you know, like seeing the face of, you know, the the thing that killed all his friends, really. Yes. You know? um, yes. And it's still still giving him the credits too. Yes, yes. Such such a good scene because it's a direct connection to the other Disney shows too. Because you know, obviously that's Boba Fett, right? Yeah. Then um it's a callback to when he was a general in charge of the clone troopers, and it's like this idea of like that was a different age, you know, like we were the force for good, we had power, and now look at us, you know. Yeah. And then finally, like that scene, he gives the guy the money, like you said, and then there's a, a stormtrooper there, and it's kind of like and they, they made it a point for the stormtrooper to say something, and it's not that Tamara Morrison voice, too. Yeah, and also you could tell that the stormtroopers are different heights and all that. So, so you know, they, they, you, they're saying, we've moved on from the clones. You know, we, we've completely, just like in the world, we've completely forgotten about our veterans, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah, but yeah. So, yeah, we've moved on. And yeah, and it's just, it's so good and so bleak, and I just fucking love it. Yeah. And um, in my notes, the next thing I said was that, like, you know, Uma McGregor is fantastic. You already talked about that um and then i also talked about the leia stuff so so here's the stuff with the leia thing that kind of bothers me she says all these things that are like really like wise for a little kid but then she does like really foolish things where she starts like running away from obi-wan and like kind of jumping on rooftop you know what i i thought her questioning obi-wan was actually a like something that leia would kind of do or something or someone someone uh intuitive would do because like really i mean he was right it's like you know you can stay here if you want or you can come with me but then uh, you know things she starts noticing things and she makes the wrong assumption obviously because he really is there to help her but i i don't find that that far-fetched she so this is someone she's never seen before and you know they're trying to get off this uh this this planet and he's not telling her anything you know yeah. like she's the, the lightsaber and and thinks she's lying i i, I totally get that the running and jumping on the buildings. All right, I'll totally agree with you there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why a little a little kid would do that and anything. Um, I, I I did like that the the act that got her to trust him was uh, making her float, which was a yes. simple uh, request that she had earlier in the episode. I did yeah. like that, but to get there, that was just like a little bit too much. Yes, yes, yes. I love that floating part because it's like. You know, he goes to use the force and it's like a true strain for him yeah. to save her. You know, it's like he's like constipated or something. It's like, oh, I can't do it. And um, yeah, that's great. I love when it's like the Jedi, but they're not connected to the force. It's like Luke in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that kind of sets off alarms too. And that brings us to um, some of the contradictions. So we talked about contradictions, right? Um so <laughs> the one thing we keep talking about is how the Inquisitors keep standing in the way of Riva. Well, yeah. the Grand Inquisitor stands in front of Riva at the very end of episode yeah. two, and she fucking stabs him, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and clearly this, this character is supposed to go back. So, like, you, you posited, the, you know, is this – is he still alive, or is, is there somebody else that's going to come back and replace him, you know? Yeah. Uh, that might have a slightly skinnier, taller head. Right, right, right. It, it, it's so bizarre because I mean, I think it's that character who's who's voiced by uh, Jason Isaacs, yes. who's a fantastic fucking actor. Yeah. Um. In in the Rebels show, and it's like, well, then what the fuck? You know, they just kill this guy, 
And it's like, oh, well, my brother is going to be. I, I don't. I think it's going to be the same character because he was hit in the stomach, right? And yeah. um, Fennec Shan was shot in the stomach in like the Mandalorian. Good point. Excellent. And they were able to like repair. Star Wars, her, you can right? only survive a gut shot, I guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> so, like, um, there's that one contradiction. Th- then there's the one that we mentioned before, which is like Leia not knowing Obi Wan prior to a New Hope, and then all of a sudden she does now. Um, and then we get to the third contradiction, the last one, which is when Reva is about to catch Obi Wan, and she doesn't like use the Force at all. By the way, once he's on the ship, like she could try to like use the Force to like stop the ship, right? She well, could like throw her lightsaber or something right yes well first of all i think that was a very big ship uh, okay second of all we don't know how advanced she is in the force necessarily um she as i mentioned earlier the inquisitors were generally force sensitive so they could do some stuff but not like all the crazy stuff yeah um but um one thing i really wanted to bring up that i really had an issue with was um her like whole batman burn on the rooftops moment that went nowhere She's like running on the rooftops for like 20 minutes. <laughs> she, hears yeah. la- she hears laser blasts yeah. from the roof uh, of some building on this planet. And she's running across rooftops for like 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. Before, yep. And she still doesn't even get there in time. Right. Right. <laughs> and she's doing all this like parkour and like Batman shit. And yeah. I'm like, this is a total waste of time. <laughs> it, yes, exactly. Exactly. It's just to look cool. It's just to be in the trailer. Um, you know, she's, she's running and she's jumping and then she finally gets to Obi-Wan and he goes to leave on the transport and she says, you know, he's still alive. Anakin Skywalker is still alive. Darth Vader, you know, wants you or something like that. And so to me, in in canon, I thought it was established that like no one really made the connection between Darth Vader being Anakin Skywalker, you know? Um, It's possible uh, I, I'm not sure I mean absolutely in a new hope there uh, I don't think they had that in mind at the time no no 100 so I, I think even that even that from new hope to Empire Strikes back as a retcon yeah so yeah I, I guess they can continue to retcon it a little bit I um I, I don't mind it because right. again I think it really adds to that PTSD that uh Obi-Wan is, is experiencing you know he's like that's like his greatest failure like you know um mm-hmm. and i i really like that that and then the look on his face afterward when he hears that and it kind of zooms in on his on his face and all that yeah um and one of the other things uh, i know we have to kind of start wrapping up because we have the, the thor too but um i really want to know why reeve is so gung-ho against obi-wan yeah um, they haven't really got too much into that but um I, obviously they will but I, I don't really have any thoughts uh, other than maybe he was um, the, the fact that maybe he maybe he brought her to the the Jedi Temple to be trained in the first place, and she was one of those Padawans, and she she blames him for everything that happened because you know. Um, um, if if I had a theory, because the the way the other Inquisitors talk to her, they make it sound like her main motivation is that she wants to get Darth Vader's favor. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. There you go. And so, it, and and they say something like, "We found her in the gutter." Now, if she's one of those Jedi, um, I think that if they if they do another cutscene back to Order sixty six, it might be that they show a de aged Hayden Christensen as Anakin, 
and that like he spares her or something like that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I wonder what his criteria is for sparing children. <laughs> I don't think he has any. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but like <laughs> it's interesting because like in, if you watch Revenge of the Sith, you know, um the Emperor is just basically like you have to wipe them all out, just get rid of all the Jedi. And then they of course come up with this idea that there's some that have survived and they become these inquisitors. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he would spare someone. So I guess we'll see, but yeah. I, I think it's, it's not necessarily as much of a, I want, I hate Obi-Wan because of this. I think it's more of, I want to be right, right, right. So. And, um, my, my other hope for this show is that there'll be some solid tie into the, the Jedi Fallen Order game. Cause this all takes place kind of around the same time. It also features, uh, a, a, another sister in the Inquisitors. So I'm, I'm hoping, and I remember there's an interview with Obi-Wan where he meant he's talking about Deborah Chow and how she understands the link between like the different categories and, and games and stuff. So I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that we'll maybe see Cal Kestis, uh, Cameron Moynihan. I, I know my wife would flip the fuck out um, if that happened. Yeah. I mean, like they got to put him in, they got to put him in some live action thing. And like, what better thing to put him in? Uh, right, because, right. Because the character looks like him. And it's just like, it's like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that one cameo that we're going to see that we were told we're not going to see, I think we're going to see Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, he's been mentioned a few too many times to be to not be, be shown here. Yeah. In uh, the little, the did you watch the the recap at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they, 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 the last thing you hear is Yoda saying, oh, I have new things to teach you and ways to, to, to communicate with your former master. So, yeah. From the yeah. from the sit, so um, yeah, and 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 like Obi Wan even at one point, right? Where Obi Wan at one point, like when he's on his little mission, says like, "Oh, Master, what would I do?" Or I could use your guidance or something like that too. Yeah, and he's not talking about Yoda; he's talking about Qui Gon. You know? Yeah, definitely. Do you have more to say about Obi Wan? Um, no. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, Obi Wan is is uh, and, and especially the Ewan McGregor version is always one of my favorite uh, Star Wars characters. So I'm, yes. I'm very excited for the show. Um, I, I do have some, you know, we, we, it's a little mixed so far, but I'm still excited to see where it goes. And I'm happy we're going to cover it the next four weeks. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um, I feel the exact same way as you. I'm surprised, right? And um, <laughs> it's, it's just because, like, right now everything is so, like, there's so much shit that just came out today, right? Like, there's the Obi-Wan thing. There's Stranger Things. There's the fucking Top Gun movie. It, yeah, like I heard it's very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm actually going to go see it tomorrow night too. Nice. No, but um, yeah, I mean, universally, pretty much everyone thinks that Uma McGregor is like the best thing of the prequels. He's he's just good in everything that he's in in general. Um, and I think that a lot of people have been looking forward to this. And yeah, I, I absolutely am looking forward to talking about this with you for the next month. You know. So with that being said, let's just spend the last couple of minutes talking about. Thor Love and Thunder, the trailer right here. Um, so did you like this trailer better than the teaser? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I was more satisfied. I, I mean, I didn't have any negatives on the teaser. Uh, I have some negatives on this on this trailer. I, I'm, I'm super pumped. They showed Christian Bale as Gore. I'm very excited for all that. Yes. Um, I, what I don't like about this trailer is all the half- jokey romantic-y stuff mm. 
Um, it was it was too much in the trailer. I think I'm all for the comedy of of, of this series and and Tyke's voice, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of worried that there's going to be a little bit too much silly in this movie for its own yeah. good. I think yeah. I mean it was welcome. It was totally fucking welcome in Thor Ragnarok. But I'm I seeing this trailer. I, I'm a little worried that they're going to push that envelope a little bit too much. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because that brings up something I wasn't going to talk about at all, but now I feel like I need to address. I think that maybe the best thing about Ragnarok is that Natalie Portman is not in it. Now, interesting. Okay. If you look at the first two Thor movies, there's a big focus on Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman is actually an incredible actress. I do not think Natalie Portman's a bad actress. I think she's very, very good in many movies. Oh, she was first like my first crush. Yeah, 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 yeah. The professional. Like everyone, like everyone that's our age. Right, right. You know, and Black Swan and, and like so many different things. Where I think that she is at her weakest is in like the Star Wars prequels. And then I think she's kind of bad in the, the first two Thor movies. Uh, it just is that kind of like, it's just the way they portray her character. And so... I'm kind of worried that we're kind of going backwards and kind of talking about their love and stuff. What's so good about Ragnarok is it's kind of fresh and they almost like destroy the whole Thor MCU world and then become this new thing in Ragnarok. And um, I, I think that maybe we're kind of starting to go back and I, I don't like that, you know? Um, yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I mean, I, I didn't have that fear. Next time. I'm actually, I'm excited for the, the, the Jane version of Thor. Um, yeah. very much. Um, I can to totally see where you're coming from. I mean, uh, the, the Thor, the, the first two Thor movies are not some of the, the stronger MCU movies. Absolutely. Especially two. Um, yeah. is what bottom of the out for just about everybody. Exactly. Um, so I, I can totally see that. And, uh, but I still, I, I'm curious if this is, um, a, a passing of the torch movie. This is yeah. a, a flash in the pan, one and done sort of thing. And then, you know, there really won't be a Thor around in the MCU. Um, because, I mean, it's not like, you know, she's a new character or anything like that. Um, she, she's, she's been in the movies for uh, since they started, really. So it's yeah. going 10, 15 years, whatever the heck it is. Um, <laughs> well, like I'm saying is I'm, I'm sure she's not looking to get into uh, a three-picture deal that's going to go over 10 years at this point in her life and career. So yeah. I'm I'm very curious what happens with the, these characters after this movie. Um, it's very clear that we're heading towards a Secret Wars kind mm -hmm. of uh, thing overall with Phase is this Phase Four or Five? We're in Four. Phase Four is definitely going to be a Secret Wars kind of kind of deal. Yeah, with incursions and multiple dimensions and all that. Um, and beyond that, uh, who the, who the hell knows? Because I, at this point. You know, there's no way that you're still going to have Mark Ruffalo or Chris Hemsworth or any of these earlier characters still around. And you're going to be, you know, putting the focus. I mean, even Ben and Cumberbatch said, like, I'm kind of tired. This Well, they also said, I'm kind of tired of doing this, too. You know? Wow. Um, they're, they're all taking breaks and stuff like that. You know, the Guardians is going away, too. Uh, they maybe weren't as, as involved in the day-to-day the, the -day world-building stuff. But, you know, they, they were part of the more larger picture. Um so yeah, I'm I'm overall curious as to what happens afterwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, 
you know, in the comics, you know, eventually she kind of takes over at one point, and there is kind of that that team that has uh, Falcon as the cap as Captain America, and she's on it, and you know, then you have some of these other characters. They're on that one Avengers team that has like Ms. Marvel and uh, uh, like the Nova. That's like Nova's kid. You, you know, it, it seems that they're sort of going towards that, and they do this thing where they kind of like take stuff from like the 70s or 80s and they take stuff from like the modern day stuff and they just kind of mash it together and i think that's kind of where we're going forward well go ahead i think uh, and i saw some like mock-up of someone did so you know the the original six avengers characters were you know iron man cap thor um um hulk guy black widow and hawkeye and then they showed kind of them in the background and then in the forefront you saw sam wilson Standing there, War Machine, uh, Jane, Jane Foster, Thor. Uh, you saw Kate Bishop, and then who am I forgetting? And She Hulk, representing each of those characters. Uh, and and Elena, sorry, uh, each of those characters. So I think maybe that's something we'll see. And then maybe Phase Five is something where we'll see the Young Avengers because oh. they, they need to have representations of those characters in some capacity. Yeah, and, and you know, um, so far. With the exception of, uh, you know, I mean, Kate is obviously a young Avenger, but, um, you know, with the exception of her and maybe uh, Elijah Bradley, um, Eli, Eli Bradley, whatever. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. Patriot. Yeah. All of them, all of the, the ones they've introduced are on the younger side. Yeah. Yeah. They need like Wanda's kids. More. Yeah. So we'll have, um, they, they're they already aging up. Um, Ant-Man's daughter. So that's that stature from that. So there's three kind of semi-older characters, and there's right. a bunch that still need to grow a little bit so they can work in this in this environment. Yeah, yeah. If you could send me that mock-up, I actually would really like to see that image. You know, because that's kind of cool. Kind of shows some like random Twitter post. I, I'll try, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I. You know, it, it's interesting because like, I'm not exactly sure how jane's going to be introduced or like what the context of it is you know because when you watch trailers you know you've seen so many of them for so long and you kind of piece the movie together there's things i still have kind of confusion about from the teaser and from this um first off there's like a, a army fighting another army and it looks like it's on earth i'm guessing that one of the armies is like the asgardians that are on earth and they're fighting against another force and jane shows up and she's got the helmet on and in this trailer in the second trailer Mjolnir kind of flies near Thor and he goes Mjolnir, but then it goes to Jane. Um, but then they show another scene in, in that, in that scene I'm talking about, he has kind of like a fur collar on. He's, then he's they got show a an, whole full helmet and mask on everything too. So that's in the, the next scene that they show. Oh, okay. Cause it's not the same oh, scene. You're right. Yes. I'm sorry. You're right. Yes. So, so the next scene is he's got that mask on that you're talking about. And that mask totally looks CGI to me. Okay. Both times I've seen it. And, yeah. and he's like, he's like, Jane? And he's like real goofy. Um, and I, I don't like the way that that mask looks at all. But it, it's to me, it's like, okay, so that's two different scenes. Because in that second scene, when he has the mask on, she does not. So it's okay. so it's like, so she, she shows up and there's some kind of battle going on on Earth, probably with Asgardians versus a force. And then there's another scene when like there's at least one house burning and I guess my question is, what is the force that the Asgardians are fighting? Are they fighting against, um, like, uh, forces that work for uh, Gore, you know? 
Yeah, but Gore's a loner. That's the only the only problem with that. So, so oh. the reason why I kind of stammered while I was saying that to you is because I was thinking in my head, I'm like, what if it's this? What if um, Asgard on Earth gets attacked by Olympians? Because Olympians are like, you're trying to kill us. Because what if there's like, um, Gore's going around killing people and maybe for some reason the Olympians think that it's the uh, Asgardians. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then that's that's what the battle is. And then Jane shows up to that. Then they go to Olympus to go talk to Zeus. And that's where all that funny stuff with Russell Crowe happens. And and then maybe Gore attacks them there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Because I think I think that Gore's a, a, a um like a loner, like you said. And I yeah. don't think he's gonna have forces that he commands. You know, so this is an interesting thing, and I'm kind of debating whether or not. I mean, no, I'm not debating. I, I know which way I want it to go. You know, the um, Gore and his weapon, uh, the, the Necro Sword, are very tied to Venom. Null and oh, Venom. yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. really curious if they're gonna take any of that from this, and I kind of hope they don't. I'd rather yeah. separate. Um, I have not read any of the stuff with Null uh, or anything like that, but from an outsider's kind of point of view, it looks cheesy to me. <laughs> uh, Null kind of looks like a like a Legacy of Kane knockoff to me, and it's just weird that um, this dude that looks like a like a like a gothic vampire almost is like the creator of the, or the progenitor of the symbiotes. Yeah, like it makes sense to me at all. Yeah, yeah, take that, Donny Cates. But like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no one I'm... is safe on comic books. Transform. That's right, right. All of our ten followers really get our they they know our who we like and who we don't. But um, no, no, no. Look, you're right. You're right. The thing is, like, Venom is connected to all the Sony stuff, and it's kind of clear that like Sony's like sort of like the the weird fifth cousin of the MCU where it's like, you know, they're like, oh, we kind of, we're in the same family, but we don't want to acknowledge it. They, they certainly do acknowledge the Necro sword in this trailer. Like there's one part where like uh, Gore's reaching for it. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be symbiote kind of stuff in this. So I think you can rest assured that maybe. Uh, I mean, maybe they'll take some approximation of, of, of the origin of the sword and, and just make it something different. So it's not symbiotes, but it's, there's some kind of creatures or army involved with, However, the sword, they're going to intend the sword is created. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see what that army is that's fighting when Jane shows up. I actually really do like that she's able to, like, go like this with Mjolnir and then, like, shards of it hit multiple people. And then it comes yeah, back. and I didn't even pick up on that. I thought that was, like, like a, some kind of weird lightning storm that went out. But that that's a really cool little detail that I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, we were talking about Christian Bale, though. Once I saw him as Gore, it's it's so funny because like comic book fans are like, oh, he doesn't have the tentacles, uh, but it's like, who gives a fuck? It's Christian Bale playing this yeah. guy. I um I was initially worried based on the um the 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 Marvel Legends figure because it looks yeah. like real plain and real basic, but yeah. uh, those feel feelings are totally quenched. I'm 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 on board. I think it looks great. Uh, I was not expecting tentacles. I'm cool. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But it, it looks way way better than that figure. That figure looks like crap. Compared to how this looked, and yeah. you're not you're not safe either, Marvel Legends. Yeah, take that, you toy making assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, Christian Bale, he's he's one of my favorite actors, like of all time. And um, 
just like seeing him in this role, I was like, oh my God, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. It's it's like uh, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, you know, just like yeah. elevates the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for this, uh, for, for him in this role. Cause you know, there's always that, that conversation about um, the, have the villains aren't as, as good in the MCU. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that someone puts him real high on a list. Yeah. Yeah. Then we'd have a few good ones. We have Thanos and Killmonger and him. You know, is there any other people you think Loki. deserve to be on that list? Loki. Who? Loki. Oh, oh yeah. Duh. duh. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. <laughs> um, so you one one last thing. You talked about the uh the humor and you're wondering that it might be like too silly. Did you laugh at that joke where Russell Crowe goes flick? Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, okay. that 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 was good. I like the Korg intro, but the the whole awkward romantic stuff mm. that that was where i felt odd uh and i that, that that's what that's the part that worried me and i had trouble articulating that until i just rewatched it you know 10 minutes before we started recording okay well well put man you have had some pretty fucking spot on points tonight thank you i appreciate yes that. i mean honestly you know, I mean, mean? if not for your notes though i wouldn't have these points <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. what can i come up with that he hasn't already thought of Yes, yes. You guys at home have to reward Brian for his diligence because I think I sent him like 15 pages worth of notes today <laughs> for all this shit. Yes, like, I, cannot, I cannot keep it all on one screen. I will say that. I, I was yeah. scrolling up and down this entire conversation, going back and forth. Yeah, it's a lot, man. So if you guys have not liked and subscribed to Comic Books Transform, please do. We'd love to have you on there. My other channel, The Last Cast, just got to 401 subscribers. That might not sound like a lot to all you hip Zoo, whatever the fuck Gen Z people you are, but like for us millennial guys, like that's a big deal. We need some more followers on here. Um, did you have any more comments on this trailer? I don't think so. I think I'm good. Okay, okay, okay. So then next week we have Young Justice and we have Obi Wan. I think it's just that, right? Or is, is next week the Hell Week that has like five um, shows? Yeah, Miss Marvel's coming real soon, and the boys is coming real soon. Oh, my God. I actually have this all mapped out. I know there's like a Hell Week coming real soon where it's like four shows at least in one shot. Um, well, we only have two more of Young Justice. So that's only two more weeks. Well, we right. want to have four weeks. Um, so next Wednesday is the first. So we have two weeks until Miss Marvel. Okay. Okay. And then the boys. Uh, the boys. Oh, didn't give me what I wanted to know. Is oh that is um, that's going to be next Friday. Oh my God! Well, whatever and the case is, Brian and I are going to keep making these videos for you guys on Thursday night. So if you guys want to check in with us, we're going to be covering Obi Wan. We're going to be covering Young Justice. We're going to be covering the boys, and we're going to be covering Ms. Marvel. So anything that you want middle aged men to talk about, if as long as it has to do with comics, come to this channel. And uh, right. I guess we'll. We'll see you guys next Thursday then. Nice.